Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Ahí está el córner. Gol Gabriel Paulista. Marca el primero para el Arsenal. El córner que sacó Mesut Ozil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, yeah, it's not really a goodly morning, unfortunately. No, no, not a goodly morning this morning. It's not a goodly morning this morning. Um, yeah, David Bowie. Yeah, that's the shame, isn't it? That mm. is, it's a, I mean, I know particularly for you, you're... You you were have always been a big fan, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's weird. You know, you have this thing in your head where you go, "Well, this is a person I've never met. Um, why why do I feel so like someone has just punched me in the stomach?" Mm. And uh, I guess I guess that's the beauty of art, is it? In a way that somebody can create all this stuff that you that you listen to or you watch or you know when you're a fan of somebody, and then that just becomes such a big part of your life. And yeah, uh, yeah it's it's um, yeah bizarre it feels weird you know yeah obviously uh, people will have their own experiences of death and grief and stuff and there's that sort of thing in your head where you can't quite come to terms with the reality of it it doesn't make any sense in my head that david bowie has died but there you go i yeah. suppose i mean the thing is that's that is that odd thing of you know not knowing somebody on that personal level and yet feeling their absence but i suppose the good thing about art is that obviously the work that they make Remains and obviously it's an incredible legacy that he, he leaves behind him, and we can all still enjoy. So that is some consolation, I suppose, mm. at least. But obviously not to those, not to those close to him. I well, imagine. sure, of course, you know. But I think that's it's interesting this morning to look at the reaction uh, on Twitter and look at the reaction on Facebook because the post today, when I sat down to write Ars Blog today, mm -hmm. uh, I literally couldn't think about football, or football was just like, well, fuck that. So I had mm. to write. I had to write about David Bowie, and and sometimes, as you know, and as people who spend some time online will know, that there's always somebody who'll go, "Well, this isn't about football. What the fuck?" Um, yeah. But but there hasn't been any of that, apart from one guy on Twitter who went, "Did he play for Arsenal?" Uh, who I studiously ignored because you know, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, you you sort of sit there and you write and you listen to the songs, you listen to the music, and you're right that it does live on, and there is a legacy and a way of enjoying that. I don't know if you saw the press conference this morning. Um, you know, it's not unusual for Arsene Wenger to be asked about things which have nothing to do with Arsenal, whether it's politics. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was asked by the guy from Sky, you know, uh, who called him David Bowie, which was annoying. For, uh, but anyway, that guy from Sky is quite annoying. But he asked Arsene Wenger about David Bowie and he said, were you a fan? You know, what, what, what did... And he said, yeah, I, obviously I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm not a big specialist in his music. But then he said, uh, the message that he gave to my generation was really important, that after the Second World War, you've got to be strong enough to be yourself. Uh, which mm. is an amazing thing for a football manager to come out with in a press conference ahead of a league game against Liverpool, mm. you know? Um, and I think that's, uh, that's a, a testament to the, I don't know, to Arsene Wenger, obviously, but also David Bowie and the impact that he had on society and the world and culture. You know, 1969, he started. That's it's a amazing, long time really. ago, yeah. And as Arsene alludes to there, I think his impact transcended music, didn't it? It was a broader cultural impact, mm. huge huge figure in our in in the world's culture really and uh yeah obviously will be massively missed so yeah. a bit of a bit of a downer bit of a downer to with. start with but you know i think as well it's worth when somebody like david bowie dies um that there's a celebration as well of what he did and what he gave us and uh, all the great music. So if you want to go on to the Ars Blog Facebook page today, there'll probably be some David Bowie uh, videos and, and what have you on there. Um, and what else was I going to say? There was something else I was going to say about this. Um, I think, yeah, the other thing was that, um, you know, when somebody dies, there's normally a cohort of people that will, will sort of make jokes about a celebrity death. You know, mm -hmm. it happens. And the two occasions that I can remember in recent memory where it just hasn't happened, number one was Robin Williams. Was that yeah. last year? I think so. That was last Maybe year. This may, yeah, last year. It's only just turned this year, mm. hasn't it? So, yeah. so Robin Williams and David Bowie um, had this this profile, this presence, and, you know, you, you couldn't say that every single thing that they did was brilliant, 
but I think they did it in such a way with such class and such uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but you, you just don't find too many people making those kind of remarks, that there's a universal respect for what they did and how they did mm. it. Uh, well, you know, as you say, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real shame. Mm. But uh, fortunately, over on the Facebook page, we can, as I say, we can still enjoy the music, and that is the nice yes. thing, I guess. Yes, go check stuff out today, yeah. Today's a good day for that. Oh. So... What else happened? You scored for Shrewsbury. Do you know I, about that? I, I saw that last night just as I was going to bed. I saw a lot of um, a lot of uh, people tweeting at me going, great goal. Yeah. I didn't see the goal. Was it a good goal? Uh, it's a decent enough goal. It was your second debut for the club, obviously, you'll recall. Yes, of course. Um, I've been there before. Yeah, indeed. But you're back there now uh, and you've scored to beat Cardiff. So fantastic. Congratulations. Well done. Well, take I think that, they might Cardiff. have got your age wrong, if I'm honest with you, in a lot of the newspaper reports. Did I think they they've want done you a few favours. Right. Okay. 29, they claim you are. Excellent. Excellent. I've lost a few <laughs> years somewhere along the way. You'll take that. You'll take that. Yeah, this is for anybody who doesn't know a player with the same name as me who is playing for uh, Shrewsbury Town. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. So that, yeah, well, a great weekend for him and for me, obviously, by default. You know, I'm living, living, living the life of a professional footballer uh, via proxy uh, through through Andrew Mangan of Shrewsbury Town. Well done to you, absolutely. Um, and a, yeah, an FA Cup weekend. Not too many shocks. No, Swansea uh, went out, didn't they, against Oxford yesterday? That was a great game. I don't know if you saw any of that. I didn't. No, no. I saw it on like the Welsh BBC or, or something like that. Were you in and Wales? Was, no, no. But you know, via Sky, you get access to these things. Oh, okay. And uh, it was very, very exciting. It was one of those games where either the atmosphere was brilliant or the mics were very well positioned in the stadium because, <laughs> you know, on telly it really came across really well. Mm. And uh, they got beat 3-2 by Oxford. That was quite exciting. Wow. Um, Spurs, I suppose that wouldn't have been a shock had they lost at home to Leicester, but they got that late equaliser. That was somewhat irritating. No, no, that's good. That's a good thing. Is it? Oh, we want them to play all the games. Well, it's a good, yeah, it's good because now they have to play another tough game uh, away from home against Leicester. So that's True. good. True. Um, Chelsea beat Scunthorpe. Is that a shock now? Could be. All right. Could be. Could be. I was telling uh, my uh, I was telling my wife yesterday that um, I used to work for AOL, the internet mm. company, and uh, they had their support uh, set up here in Dublin, um, and we did all the support for the UK. And I remember that you, I don't know if people remember this, but you used to get like a CD through the post or you get a CD in a magazine and you could, you could sign up to the internet, this brand new internet thing by using the AOL software, which was their sort of proprietary software to, to get you online. But they, they sort of kept you in this AOL walled garden. But we used to get phone calls all the time, not all the time, but fairly regularly from mm. uh, people in living in Scunthorpe who couldn't sign up. They try and they go, well, what's wrong? And they put in their name. They put in whatever username they wanted. They put in the address. And um, uh, they, they, they just got rejected every time. And they'd ring up and they'd say, well, I can't sign up. And, you know, we had all these technical things to go through. Is it your TCP IP preferences? Perhaps your modem is not connected. You go through all these tests, all these things, and nothing would work. And maybe you've got a corrupt version of the software. Delete and reinstall the software. Maybe that's what it is. And then eventually you go, and where exactly are you living? And they'd say, Scunthorpe. And you go, ah, that's why. And they go, why? Well, what is it? Well, the AOL software had these filters. So you couldn't use a swear word in your name or in your address or in your username. And if you think about how the word Scunthorpe is spelled. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> you'll understand why the people from Scunthorpe could not sign up to AOL software. Wow, that's yeah. fascinating. A little bit of internet history there. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what as well, while well, we're just talking about other things on this weekend, did you hear about one with PSG? I think, you know, this might interest you on the subject of musicians. I did hear, but please, you know, tell the story for the listeners. Well, as far as I'm aware, um, PSG, for, for more than 20 years now, have run out to a track by, I'd say probably your least favourite musical artist, is that fair to say? <laughs> that would be fair to say, yeah. Phil Collins. <laughs> uh, it was Who Said I Would from the 1985 multi-million selling album, No Jacket Required. Right. So there are multi-millions of that album out there for you to locate and destroy. Um, and However, sort of on a somewhat sombre note, they recently changed that track uh, to uh, another one, O City of Light, O V Lumiere, in honour of the 
att- victims of the November terrorist attacks. Now, obviously, while that's a, a bit of a sad note, the good news is they are talking about adopting it permanently, thus removing the spectre of Phil Collins from Paris Saint-Germain. Well, are, you know, the, the, the thing that I would question are, are the PSG fans unhappy about this move? Because if they are unhappy and if they would prefer to have Phil Collins for the music that they run out to, then I think it's fair to say that these people are the worst fans in football, right? Well, there you go. I mean, according to Le Keep, um, and I haven't got time to read the whole article because it is in French, supporters are divided. So there's a, some sort of civil war undertaking, you know, about whether or not Phil Collins should retain his place <laughs> at, at the Parc de Prince. Imagine, imagine like a, just a pitched battle in the middle of a, a PSG game. The game is going on. Zlatan is on there being a big scumthorpe. And uh, in the middle of the stands, there are two factions fighting, the Phil Collins fans and the ones who want this, this other piece of music. That would be just yeah. amazing. A club destroying itself from the inside because of Phil Collins. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. Surely, surely. They're going to seize this opportunity to rid themselves of Phil Collins. Mm. Imagine if Arsenal ran out to Phil Collins. That, that would be just a travesty. It would be one of the worst things of all time. It would really create a real sense of conflict for you, wouldn't it? It, it certainly would. It certainly would. Um, but I don't think that Arsenal, a club with uh, such class and history mm. and tradition, would soil themselves by using the music of a Tottenham fan to run out to. Just just would not happen. So, you know, thankfully that's not a bridge we will ever have to cross. Well, thank God. Thank God. So look, um, should we talk about football? A of little course. bit? Yeah, of course. Uh, 3-1 win over Sunderland. The second time in a month, is it, more or less, that we've beaten Sunderland 3-1 and with the exact same scorers? Yes. I well, really, no. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because when we beat them in the league, it was Campbell, uh, Giroud, then Ramsey. And when we beat them on Saturday, it was Campbell, Ramsey and Giroud. Well, there we have it. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, I wonder what the odds on that would have been before the game. Pretty long, I imagine. But also, um, Sunderland also turned up in that green kit again, which I just find completely bewildering. The camouflage effect. Yeah, I don't understand necessarily green kit when you're playing on grass no surely that can't be good no I mean something with spots or you know maybe they could get those things that the runners wear you know you can get these things now they're, they're sort of like LED armbands that light up you know you should make yourself as visible as possible like the old think, right? Manchester United grey kit you remember they, they took that off at half time against Southampton because the players were blending into the crowd yeah um, yeah strong camo yeah strong colours I mean when are we going to get a team sponsored by Dino Rod who have I it know. right. You know, you can't not see a dino rod van, right? Because they're luminous pink. You know, yeah. like highlighter markers. Stabilo. That's who we need to sponsor a football team. <laughs> because yeah, the absolutely. kit would be amazing. It would be exciting to see. I mean, you know, let's get them involved at Arsenal. Why not? Mm. Anything's got to be better than that third kit. Yeah. But yeah, fascinated by the green kit. Fascinated by what you've just told me. Same scorers. I yeah. mean, we shouldn't have bothered with any predictions. It was clear what would happen. Yeah. Um, we already knew. Yeah, but it was, yeah, was it, I thought it was quite an entertaining cup tie, all things considered. You know, I, um, I know the win feels relatively comfortable, doesn't it? 3-1, and, you know, we did, I think, uh, I won't say dominate the game, but we were sort of in control for the most part. But when you look back on it, um, there is, or there were chances for Sunderland to score goals at crucial moments of the game. Yeah, there were, actually. I mean, there was... Was it one? Was it the header that hit the bar in the second half? Yeah, Fletcher. When I th- was it two one at that point? Something like that. Yeah, it was two one, and he had another chance. Like they had a free kick out on on their left hand side. It was curled in, and he had another free header which he put over the bar. Mm. Yeah, so they did have chances. I mean, I think we gave ourselves a problem by quite how sort of stupidly we gave away the opening goal. No, mm. uh, I mean that was a real. It was a cock up, wasn't it? There's no other word. Yes. I mean, wh- where do you stand on the, the, the blame game here? Seeing as we, of yeah, blame. Yeah, I mean, let's do it. I mean, I know we're not here to, like, crucify players, but for the sake of entertainment, let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> I saw people saying, well, that was a ridiculous pass from Gibbs to Koscielny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, for my, to my mind, it was really Koscielny should have just played it first time, just got it away uh, and, and taken it from there. But, you know... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, with that one's hedge bets, I think you can apportion a, a, a bit of blame to both. But I would agree, 
I think my initial reaction was it was a Koscielny error and a whole p- bunch of people came back at me saying, well, no, it was Gibbs, really. I mean, it's not a brilliant ball back to him. He is under pressure, but there is nothing to stop him booting that into touch. Um, and that's what he should have done straight mm. away if he felt that he was under in any danger of losing the ball. But he's a very confident dribbler. He likes to take people on. I think he thought he could get away with it. He didn't. And uh, there we go. We were behind. It was against the run of play, but, you know, it just made it a bit of a an uphill struggle, didn't it? It was a... A shame for him on a day where he was wearing the the captain's armband. Yeah, hang on. I, ju- I think um, my front door just went. Hang on. I'm just gonna. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna check because uh, there's nobody else here. So uh, hopefully somebody is not robbing the house. One sec. Imagine if they are robbing the house. That'd be a shame. No, seems to be okay. If All the, good. No robbing. No, well, oh, yeah, not, not as far as I know. If there is a madman in the house with a knife, he hasn't yet made it upstairs. Um, okay. So if you hear any screaming in the in the near future, it's probably just me being murdered. But there you go. There we go. That would really confirm that this is not a goodly morning. No, absolutely not. I, I prefer not to be murdered today uh, of okay. all days. Let's make it tomorrow. Yeah, all right. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think you're right about Cassiani. Bit of an error. Uh, and I thought maybe in general we weren't that great at the back. But hey. Yeah, it's probably fair to say because this was only Sunderland without some of their key attacking players. So the fact they create so many chances against us, I suppose, a little bit of a worry. Mm-hmm. Do you worry a bit that uh, when we are heading into a, a period when we're going to face much better teams, that if we give them those chances, they might be a little more um, efficient? I would say yes, I do worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I emphatically worry about that. Um, But I don't know if it's down to the back four levels of concentration there or if it's to do with the lack of midfield protection. I do think we are missing Coquelin a lot. You know, I think Callum Chambers had an all right game in midfield, Mm. but I don't think he's anywhere near that level. Um, I think there's probably a bit of fatigue. Someone like Hector Bellerin, you know, as good as he was going forward and he looked absolutely amazing. Maybe mentally he's getting a bit tired now, played a lot of football over the Christmas period. Hopefully, you know, we bring in Permatsaka, a bit of freshness for the next game and we tighten up a bit because we were a little lax against Sunderland. I think that's certainly true. Mm. Uh, We did get back into it very well, though. A nice goal from Joel Campbell. Uh, nice move Lovely from goal. Arsenal down the left-hand side. Good pullback by Theo Walcott with his left foot and uh, a really tidy finish from, from Campbell. Yeah, I had a real Andre Mariner moment where I initially thought it was Kieran Gibbs who crossed the ball in from my seat because <laughs> couldn't believe it. Theo Walcott had gone to the byline and crossed with his left foot. Um, and then a really nice finish from Campbell who... I thought had a really excellent game. I thought he was probably our, our best player on the day. Yeah, he was great. I thought he was very, very energetic, very productive. Uh, and it feels like he's sort of growing into the team well now, doesn't it? He, he, yeah. When you compare him to the player from two months ago, uh, and obviously we, we can all talk about the benefits of first-team football and playing regularly, but not every player who plays regularly gets better or does well. You can play mm. regularly and not impress and play mm. regularly and still struggle for form and confidence. So it's great to see that he has, he's really found something in his game over the last, uh, the last you know, four to six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that, you know, without several key important attacking players like of Alexis and Ozil, I thought Campbell was really someone who stepped up and took responsibility. And for someone who was on the fringes of the squad, as you say, a matter of weeks ago, that's really encouraging and, and pretty impressive too. And uh, it was a really good finish, actually. Like, it looked simple, but to take it first time as he did and sweep it into the bottom corner, a really great goal. Mm. Um, it, it, it was a bit sort of... <sighs> What's the word I'm looking for? The game, I won't say flat, but it was a bit even, wasn't it, in the second period? And we didn't necessarily look like making the breakthrough. And then Arson puts on um, Aaron Ramsey because he is that kind of a player who can make something happen. Um, Before we talk about Ramsey's goal, the man that he came on for was Alex Iwobi, Mm. who was asked in his first start at the Emirates to play where Mesut Ozil plays. Mm. I think the performance that he put in um, was worthy of that position. He, he had a really tidy game. 
Yeah, I mean, that's no mean feat, is it, to step into that number 10 role? That's a big call from Arsene Wenger because he, often when he's introducing a young player, even if they are someone who prefers to play centrally, he'll do so mm. in the wide areas. You know, and when we've seen Iwobi previously, he's predominantly played as a winger, but he gave him kind of the keys to the midfield engine, didn't he? But made him the sort of chief playmaker of the side. And I thought he was very good. I thought that he tried to make things happen. I thought that, you know, his dribbling was good. He looked to take people on, which shows some confidence. But what Arsene spoke about after the game, and I thought which was maybe more subtle, but still evident in his game, was the weight of his pass was excellent and the timing of his pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that really stood out for me, I have to say. The way that he used the ball, the way that he passed it, and even Arsene Wenger commented on it um, after the game. He said something yeah. about the, the, the pace of his passing or the weight of his passing was was really good for a young guy who could have who could have been could have been inclined to like play it safe you know what mm-hmm. I mean he did try some things he made some runs he tried a lot of forward passes um, and the easy thing would have him would have been for him to just like move it left and right left and right you know and and, uh, and keep things ticking over in a very safe way but I like that he took some risks but I also like that he took those risks with some real quality as well yeah absolutely and I thought you know watching the game I actually called it a couple of times his full debut because I have erased the Sheffield Wednesday game completely from my mind mm. uh, it turns out I've forgotten that that even existed but I think having started and been involved in that game and uh, that been such a disaster probably great for his confidence to get this opportunity to play at the Emirates and for it to come off so well so yeah Great day for him, I thought. Mm. Uh, Aaron Ramsey then with a goal. Uh, Hector Bellerin involved with the assist, but a beautiful pass from from Joel Campbell, a, a real sweet one-two that just carved their defence open and Bellerin's pace got in behind. Ramsey's finish just perfect with his left foot. Yeah, exactly. Really nice goal all round. Really good way of pass from Campbell. Brilliant run from Bellerin. Good to see those two, you know, building that relationship on the right-hand side. And Ramsey tucked it away. I thought, as good as someone like Iwobi was, I thought that once Ramsey and Arteta came on, we did look a bit more stable in the middle of the park. You yeah. know, if you think about the trio Arsene put picked, it was Iwobi, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Chambers, and none of those players have significant experience in that area of the pitch. So, Or, or ever played together before. Exactly, exactly. So I think naturally we were slightly more ragged in the middle of the park than than usual, but needs must. That's an area where we're really lacking depth at the moment and Mm. Arsene felt he had to to change it up. So Mm. uh, we we got away with it in the end. Uh, And a goal to more or less seal the game again. Bellerin, the provider, Olivier Giroud. I thought this was great because... uh, the pass from Oxlade Chamberlain with the outside of his foot to Bellerin was brilliant, and I think yeah, that's that, that's um, that's something that he needed, uh, even if it is just a, a pre-assist, so to speak. But what I really liked was the fact that Bellerin looked up and he saw where Giroud was going to run, uh, and, and played the ball perfectly to him right at the back post. I mean, he couldn't miss; it was a tap in. It was, it was, it was a brilliant pass from Oxlade Chamberlain. Incredible run from Bellerin. I mean, it is amazing that he's still doing that in the latter stages of a game, having played so much football, as we say, over the last few weeks. You know, Debussy's not been uh, thrown in, you know, Chambers has been needed in midfield, and Bellerin just carries on going. He really is like Speedy Gonzalez or something. Mm. And, uh, for two assists for any player in any game is a hell of a feat. You know, when it's Mesut Ozil, we're raving about it, but for a guy who is ostensibly a defender to do that, super impressive. So, and nice for Giroud to get a goal because I actually thought he had quite a difficult game. I feel like he's played a lot of football too and that might slightly be taking its toll on him. So good to see him on the score sheet because his goals do tend to come in bursts. Mm. Yes. As he said afterwards, no Ozil, no problem. No Ozil, no problem. I mean... I'd like Ozil back, please, though, saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and Alexis back, that would be good. But Alexis going to be short, apparently, for the uh, trip to Anfield. Arsene yeah. Wenger saying that he's not quite ready yet. Uh, I think he wants to be like absolutely positive that his uh, hamstring is, is 100%. Um, mm-hmm. He said again at his press conference this morning, you know, Alexis will always tell you he, he's ready to play, even when he's injured. So I think they're being... <laughs> I think they're being super cautious and giving him just the amount of time that he needs, another few days of, of training. A bit of a blow, though, for, for Wednesday night. Even if Liverpool are in a bit of a mess, you prefer to be going there with Alexis. You would, yeah. I think this is going to be a difficult game. I mean, Liverpool are in a bit of a mess, but Klopp's results against the big teams have tended to be pretty good, haven't they? He had a good result at City, a good result at Chelsea. Uh, so I think this will be a, a really tricky game. It'll be fantastic to have Alexis 
on board. But then if Joel Campbell plays like he did at the weekend, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll be all right. Yeah, well, look, you know, all you can ask, I think, when you do have players missing and, and important players missing at that is that the squad players step up and make the difference. And I think that's been perhaps one of the features of this season is that players that we haven't necessarily expected... Um, to make a difference, a bit like Coquelin last season, Bellerin again, you know, they've come in and they have they have produced. You know, if you think even somebody like Olivier Giroud, who mm. was in the desire for a new striker this season, roundly written off by large sections, or I won't say large, by some sections of the Arsenal fan base, simply because of who he wasn't, uh, completely ignoring what he actually is and what he can do and you know his scoring record since he's been back up front for the most part has been really really good and Campbell playing a, a great supporting role there too yeah Campbell Flamini would be another one uh, you're right the squad players have have really stepped up when required and long may it continue because with our injury problems you sort of can guarantee they're going to be relied upon at some stage mm. so anything else strike you from the weekend or will we uh, will we call I it a halt to part one so I mean obviously you know just good I mean good to get into the next round isn't it I mean I think there's been so much focus on our Premier League campaign that inevitably the FA Cup is kind of playing second fiddle it feels like less of a priority this year but mm. I don't think that diminishes its significance and uh, you know you want to stay in it you want to try and go as far as you can I mean imagine if we could get to a third successive cup final that would be a hell of an achievement in its own right so uh, let's hope we get a kind draw home draw that's what I'm after that another home good. draw yeah that would be good and I think maybe as well there's um people look at the two things as if they're mutually exclusive. Mm, exactly. Um, forgetting, of course, the number of doubles that we've won. Um, so, you know, the two things can go, they can go hand in hand. I mean, a double would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be really nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be. But let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves anyway. Yeah, because then that, 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 that uh, Joel Campbell has won the double song would, you know, be great. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it would be good. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back in part two with your questions. Hang on. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show where we're joined by a very loud bird outside James's window. Just let's have a listen. Yeah, I can hear him. You can get him there. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no more Laurie, but I've got that little bird now. He's my little mate. He lives out there. Yeah. And uh, What's his name? To, uh, bird. God. Bird the bird. Bird the bird. Just so there's no um, confusion about yeah, what he exactly. might be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to get people's hopes up that it's not going to be a bird. Yeah. So I always say, can I bring bird? And they go, yeah, bring him along. All right. You know, straight away get the seeds out he's coming around <laughs> we should welcome bird to uh, proceedings and this is the part of the show where we answer your questions we're going to do that in just a couple of moments time but james i just wanted to bring something up two things actually the oh, two things two right. things right the first thing was that last week for a day and a half the Arscast, via the Arscast Extra, was number two in the iTunes charts for sports podcasts in the uk so thank I you saw. very much thank you not Thank you. you, everyone. Yeah, to everyone. I, you know, not so much to you. I don't quite know how iTunes do it. You know, I know that it's like a combination, this algorithm they have of downloads versus people leaving ratings and people subscribing to iTunes. Um, so if you're on iTunes, if you want to leave a rating, you want to leave a review, you want to subscribe to the show, if you haven't already, please do that because then we could get to number one. You know who stopped us getting to number one? Who was it? Football Ramble. Oh, Jim Campbell and his pesky chums. Jim Campbell, yes. Oh, Another so-called comedian like yourself. Yeah, oh, they're the worst. They are the worst. Um, well, listen, I, I think, I mean, first of all, in our defence, they're talking about all of football, so they've got all the football fans listening. We've only got Arsenal hopefully, I, I imagine. It'd That's be weird true. if there are, like, Leicester fans out there listening to this, but if you are, welcome, please subscribe and rate us. I did see um, during the week, actually, um, somebody mentioned, I think she was a Bournemouth fan, and she said, I don't even like Arsenal, but I can't stop listening to that Arsecast Extra podcast. So there you go. Really? Yeah. So maybe we're spanning the, spanning the whatevers. The gaps. Well, if you are a fan of another club, get in touch because I'm bewildered and intrigued. Mm. But um, 
yeah, let's get to number one. I mean, I know that's ambitious. I know that's greedy. I know it's just so I can screen grab it and tweet it. Yeah. But I just want that moment. Yeah, we want number one on iTunes T-shirts. You know, we yeah. wanna we wanna live vicariously through through you guys, and you're the guys that can help us get to number one. So, uh, so do whatever needs to be done today on iTunes. Unsubscribe and subscribe again. Rate, review, uh, share it. Tell your friends whatever it needs to happen. Well, you know, because we beat out Football Weekly, we beat out the Game Podcast by the Times. You know, we were we were we were almost there, man. Runners those, those up. are proper people. Those are proper people. Real. I am literally wearing nothing but underwear as we speak. We were number two. Incredible. Even Bird likes it. <laughs> a lot of people just unsubscribed, unfortunately. Well, you, uh, you, you did put a fairly um, gruesome mental image into their heads. Our chart position is plummeting. Mm. Don't worry, guys. That was just for effect. Yeah. I'm wearing all of my clothes simultaneously. <laughs> all of them, like a, like a giant marshmallow man. Absolutely. I'm enormous. I've got four coats on. It's sw- I'm really hot and sweaty. Yeah, we'll have to crack on. In fairness, the J-Train um, tracksuit pants. Yeah. They're there. Did you see the blog last week? I think I uh, photoshopped Kanye into, uh, yeah. into a pair of them. Yeah, yeah. He looked great. It's, it's, they, I mean, look, I'm telling you, 2016, that's the new look. Mm. Mm. Yes. I'm just, so, I was just waiting to see what Bird thought about that. That's all right. Um, oh, I see. Let's see. Yeah. So, look, uh, thanks thanks everyone for listening. And, uh, like, let's get to number one. Come on. Uh, the second thing that we criminally neglected to mention oh, in dear. the first half of the show. Come on. Can you think of it? Oh, I know what it is. I can't believe it. People will have been listening to that for that from the very start of the show. When are they going to mention it? When are they going to say this thing that happened that was like one of the most amazing things of all time and they completely didn't? The landmark moment of the season thus far. Mm. We are, of course, I am, well, unless I've got this wrong, which yeah. would be humiliating for everyone, uh-huh. we must be talking about the emergence onto the field of none other than hashtag the Jeff. The Jeff. My name is Jeff. Yes. Come on. Did you notice that Arsenal's official Instagram channel has started using the hashtag the Jeff? Yes, I did notice that. I did notice that. They've co-opted it, which is fine. I'm, you know, we're happy with that. Yeah, we're, of course. We're delighted to add to the, uh, to the hashtag lexicon. So go on, what did you make of the Jeff? Well, you know, it was a transcendental moment. Really, we couldn't it? look straight at him. No, it was just like, oh my god, here is the Jeff, and this is Arsenal, and the the Jeff is playing for the Arsenal. It was mm. meant to be. He could have had a goal. Right, he could have done. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what I would have done. I think I would have passed out from the excitement. Mm. Um, yes, uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was great to see him on because you know he's. Uh, He's been on the bench for the last few weeks, and obviously when Iwobi came on and played the way he did, you can see why the manager chose him, mm. you know, to play, and, and fair play, and I, I'm delighted for Iwobi to have done that. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's something about the Jeff. I don't know, did you read, uh, did you read Mikel Arteta? Yes. Yeah, I, like Arteta, Arteta was talking about him uh, in the match day program. Um, I'm just going to, uh, I was going to say, I'm going to get it up here, um, but I'm going to try. I think, and, I think everyone will at home listening to this description uh, of Jeffrey and Adelaide. Um, but, uh, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, I'm just going to find it here. Now he was talking in the program about the potential of, uh, Jeff Rayner Adelaide. And he said, uh, he's got really big potential. I believe he's got all the attributes to become a really good player. He's still at a young age, but he's listening. He learns a lot. I think he really wants it. He's hungry. And if you give him time, he could have a really positive career as he has something about him. So I think we maybe have to give him time. And, you know, I wouldn't like to think that we're, you know, uh, creating a hype train as well as a J train around him. Mm. But, you know, we all love a bit of the Jeff. Interestingly, Arteta, the last player that he spoke about in that way, he said... He's going to be, he said, I think he's a top player. He's going to be the right back of Arsenal for many years, in my opinion, providing he continues to progress in the way he has been doing. And he's talking about Hector Bellerin. This was... Gary Gilbert. Oh, Hector Bellerin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was in September uh, 2014. So perhaps Arteta might know what he's talking about. He might just, might And if he identifies the Jeff as one to watch, then it means that we have been right all along. Mm. And actually the greatest footballer in the world is not... Lionel Messi as will be named at the Ballon d'Or ceremony this week, but the Jeff is hiding. It's the top secret operation 
and we're slowly unleashing him on world football. Yes. yes. Exciting times. Indeed. Arsene Wenger saying today he's an enemy of the Ballon d'Or. I'm an enemy of the Ballon d'Or. He said, I'm an enemy of the Ballon d'Or because he was asked, who do you think is going to win it? And uh, I know you're not a big fan of this. He said, I'm an enemy of the Ballon d'Or and we all know Messi's going to win it. (laughs) Fair play. Yeah. So look, will we get on with some uh, questions before we uh, Jeff the Jeff out of the Jeff? Let's have some questions. Shall I do one? Yeah, go on. Okay, this question was submitted last week, but we missed it. It came in just too late. But fortunately, thank the Lord, it's been resubmitted. It's from The Stewed, and he's at Zap83. And he asks, could you tell Arsene Wenger and Manuel Pellegrini apart if you could only feel their faces by hand (laughs) in a darkened room? I thought this was a brilliant... I saw that last week just after we'd finished recording. It's so good. Yeah. Such a great question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Imagine you're in this darkened room. You've got Pellegrini and Wenger sat alongside. You can mm. listen to the sound of their breathing, but nothing more than that. Mm. And you've got to, you know, like the young boy in Hook who realises he's got Peter Pan in front of him just by touching his face, the familiarity. Can you identify... Arsene Wenger over Pellegrini. I'm sitting here now with my eyes closed, with my two hands out in front of me, trying to, like, Pellegrini on the left, Arsene on the right, Arsene on the left, Pellegrini on the... You know, yeah. I think I could do it, yeah. I think I could How, do it. What are the defining features? Has Pellegrini got a more pronounced nose? That's my, that's my instinctive reaction. My feeling would be that the two things that I would go for, number one, I think Arsene Wenger's face would be thinner than Pellegrini's. So yeah. you could do the, the measuring thing. He's a thin man. Yeah. But I also suspect that Arsene Wenger's Adam's apple would be slightly more pronounced than Manuel Pellegrini's. I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with with the, the, the Chilean people. Maybe their That's Adam's apples are, are not quite as out there as, as the French. I don't know. But those would be the two things that I would go for. I'd like measure the, the, the width and then go for the Adam's apple. And I'm pretty I, sure I could, I could pick out Arsene Wenger. I think there's a little bit of a difference in hairstyle as well. I think, you know, Arsene's got the sort of short back and sides, but Pellegrini has cultivated these kind of wings at the side of his hair, like, you know, just above and around his ear, little tufts. I think they would be a dead giveaway. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I would have said hair would have been where they're really quite similar, actually. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have tried for the hair. I mean, I'd say both of them have that kind of quite silken, soft, old, older man hair, you know? They've got that lovely old man's hair. Yeah. Lovely old man's hair. <laughs> I want to, honestly, I want to shave it off and knit some underwear out of it. <laughs> lovely old man's hair. Um, what about you? I mean, could you, could you tell the difference? I don't know. I think, I, pff, I'd like to think so. Uh, this is what I would say. I'd love to have a go. If Barclays or someone could organise a special <laughs> Premier League event where they made this happen, if a PR got in touch with me and said, come on down, have a go at this, I'd be there in an instant. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, this is the era of viral marketing. Um, you know, imagine imagine the crossover between Arsene Wenger, Manuel Pellegrini and the Arsecast Extra. A blindfold. I mean, the YouTube video, the YouTube hits would be through the roof. We'd smash the iTunes chart. I wouldn't be worried about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Whew. It's an exciting prospect. It is an exciting prospect. Try to calm yourself down. Have you got any uh, any questions? Oh, I do have a question. Oh, go on. All right, here's one, and it comes from Mish, who is at Michel Datani, and okay. he says, "You think Ospina is off at the end of the season? Is that an accusation or a question? No, it's a question. Um, I don't know. Do you know what? When he missed the game." The other day, which we didn't touch on, there were a few people saying, oh, yeah, he's injured. Yeah, right. groin injury. Oh, we've heard that one before. But I dismissed that straight away because ultimately we can't afford to let him go, can we? Should something happen to Pesacek, we we definitely need him with Chesney out on loan. Um, Come the end of the season, that might change. He can't be too happy, can he, with the state of play. As an international goalie, you know, he's not getting a lot of game time at all. So... He can't be chuffed with that. It wouldn't surprise me if he looked to move on, but, you know, that would create a problem for us. It's hard. It's hard to get a number two who's of the requisite quality to, you know, I guess keep the number one on their toes and replace them when required, but who's also happy to sit on the bench. Mm. It's a very, very difficult balancing act. Yeah. I mean, what was interesting was 
the night before the game. Obviously, Arsene, after his press conference the other day, excuse me, I dropped the pen. Um, sure. He, I'm just going to get my pen back. Don't worry about it, man. I've got a bird over here. That's so all right. We've all got problems. Yeah. Um, but he talked specifically about Ospina and said that he didn't buy Czech because he was unhappy with Ospina. It was just that the opportunity came to buy essentially a better goalkeeper. I mean, he couldn't say that, but, you know, he said he was very happy with Ospina's performances and his dedication, professionalism. And he mm. thought that as Czech got older and if Ospina stayed, he could be the man eventually to take over. Now, I'm sure some of that was a bit of a confidence boost thing for a player before he plays in a game after you know his last appearance which was um a bit of a tricky one of course that that, that yeah. one against Olympiacos when he he chucked one in but you know uh th- for him then not to play in the game i mean did he pick up a, a groin injury in training just before the game i don't know it's it a weird sleep- one. it was a little bit weird it i just thought it was a bit odd it was a bit odd um and i'll be honest I, I, you know, Ospina, I think, was right, performed relatively well last season, but I was still happy, in a way, to see Czech in there. Mm. You know, he just provides that much more security and was needed. You know, I thought he was he was actually needed on the day. Um, but I don't think Ospina's going in January, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go in the summer. What do you reckon? I would agree with that, because I think, you know, he is uh, an international goalkeeper. He's first choice for his country. I think that he's going to be relatively unhappy at being on the bench. You know, at 25 years of age, he's a guy who came to Europe and played first-team football for for Nice uh, every season. He came to Arsenal, was behind Chesney, won his place ahead of Chesney. Well, thanks to Chesney's um, idiocy, Mm -hmm. um, he, he got a chance in the team and kept it. And I think he must have thought, well, hey, you know, I've come to a big club. I've I've worked my way into the number one position. And now all of a sudden I'm going to be behind a guy for the next, well, three or four seasons anyway. If you look at how long goalkeepers can go on for. So I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to sit on the bench, you know. And I think, uh, I think I understand that, you know, as you said, it's very difficult to find that balance between having a goalkeeper good enough to challenge for the number one and being happy to sit on the bench. You, you've got countless Richard Wrights and Stuart Taylors who who aren't really good enough to play regular first team football for a club like Arsenal. Um, you know, there are very few really good number two goalkeepers around, are there? When you look at the clubs. No, there was that sort of there was that period of time a couple of years ago where it was sort of very on trend for clubs to have two top-class goalkeepers. You know, Chelsea had both Czech and Courtois. You know, United had... Uh, well, they still do, I guess, do. Uh, and uh, Valdez is still there, I think. Mm. Madrid had Navas and Casillas. But a lot of those have moved on since because I think it is quite difficult to sustain. And ultimately, when you look at number two, generally, you're probably looking at someone at one of the extremes of their careers. So either a young goalkeeper, very promising, but who's not yet an age where they expect to be playing week in, week out, mm. or someone who's a little bit older, maybe, and, and happier to sort of uh, be... a a mental figure and be on the bench more like Chelsea had Mark Schwartz a, a couple of years ago so yeah. definitely something to look at in the summer if Espina does want to move on uh, because I can't imagine he's going to be happy to spend the next few years on the bench it doesn't look like Czech's about to enter a decline anytime soon no no alright uh, your question uh, my question okay this is a bit interesting well in the light of uh, him joining Bournemouth Sanchez's Rabbit at Sanchez's Rabbit asks why did Yaya Sonogo get so many chances and a phobie get sidelined is this Arsene's French agenda no I don't think it's the French agenda I mean I think asking why Sonogo got so many chances is a reasonable question I think yeah. it was to do with timing really because a phobie just when he was on the verge of making a breakthrough into the first team, when he might have been considered as, uh, you know, a substitute, maybe getting into the sort of uh, positions that Iwobi is in right now, he picked up a really bad injury. He got Mm. a cruciate knee ligament injury, didn't he? And I think he had two of them. He had a couple, yeah. Yeah. He had a really bad time with injuries. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I understood the decision to, to loan him out because he wasn't going to get football at Arsenal and he was at an age and a point in his career when he needed to play. Um, so I don't really understand the conflation between Sonogo and Afobi. I think what we've seen is Afobi is a guy who had lots of talent, who Arsenal really believed in, but because of timing, because of injuries, it, it didn't work out for him. Um, he had to go down the leagues in order to play regularly and to develop mm. as a footballer. Now, it can happen in, in a number of ways because you look at, um, let's say, somebody like J. Emmanuel Thomas 
who was a really yep. big talent, who couldn't quite break into the Arsenal team and had to go down the leagues and has stayed down there despite all the talent that he has. But Afobi has uh, proved himself uh, a very, very good striker. He's come up the leagues. Where did he go? MK Dons, then... He went MK Dons on loan, then on, he went permanently to Wolves, obviously, for a yeah. year, and now on to Bournemouth. You know, so, I mean, he's taking, I guess, what you would say... I wouldn't say they're giant leaps, are they? They're not, like, huge leaps forward each time, but it's a step forward. So, you know, going from MK Dons to Wolves, from Wolves to Bournemouth, you know, th- this is a guy who's, who's making slow progress in his career and is now joining what a club that's where are Bournemouth in the league uh, a couple of places above relegation yeah. I imagine so there you go I mean I think that's uh, I mean it's great for him and I think he's a really uh, a really good young player and it's great to see him do well um, but you, you have to look at the context of how his career has gone Sonogo was brought in as a gamble and because of various circumstances we had to play him from time to time and you know I don't really see any future for Sonogo at Arsenal, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it hasn't worked out for him at Ajax. Um, you know, he had he had some impact. You remember the FA Cup final against Hull. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily about how he played with the ball, per se, but he added an element of, of chaos to proceedings <laughs> that, that Hull just suddenly couldn't couldn't deal with. You know, he, he mixed things up on the day, and, uh, you know, that's a reasonable contribution for a player like him to make to, to the history of the club in some way. So fair, fair fucks to him for that. I don't see a future for him. But uh, at the same time, I don't see what it's got to do with a phobie. I think that's fair to say. I think the timing, as you say, the point where Afobi was going to make the breakthrough was actually a little bit earlier than that. He's not that young anymore, Benekafobi. He'll be 23 next month. And uh, it was sort of around when he was 19, 20 that you would have thought he'd be knocking on the door. And that is when his injury problems were at their worst. Nevertheless, I think it's really heartening to see someone who's dropped down two divisions, basically, to go to MK Dons. And within... You know, 12 months of being there is back in the Premier League, a £10 million player. Mm. And as far as I understand it, there's about a million pounds in that for Arsenal too, as a consequence of a sell on clause. So I guess to an extent, everyone wins. Okay. While we're on the subject of of signings, a couple of them here one from Dan Sanderson at Dan Thai Wang, and also Mm -hmm. uh, one from SL at Wiendiola. So Dan asks Do you think Arson is one of those embarrassing dads who tries to haggle the price of everything in a normal shop? Uh, Obviously, referencing our transfer uh, activity this January. And uh, SL wants to know how come it takes Arsenal almost two weeks to complete the signing of El Neni? Something inherently wrong with our club I mean it does seem a curious one the, the, the uh, a deal that you know we were on the verge of completing before the window opened here we are January 11th still waiting um, Arsenal said in his press conference today it should be sorted I think this week mm-hmm. uh, but he, this is a quote he said there's a lot of work permit problems and special paperwork to do and the visa so it's obviously not a straightforward deal, a significant amount of red tape. I think it's to do with the fact that Egypt have dropped out of the top 50 football nations. Mm. That, does that ring any bells with you? Yeah, yeah. It seems to be the the changes in the uh, the work permit rules were that you have to play X percent of the internationals, uh, mm. but you have to be... Um, uh, the, the the country has to be in the top 50. And I think Egypt dropped out of the top 50. But I think Arsenal have gone to it and said, like, their average position in the last two years is 47 or something like that. So it's um, it's a bit of an odd one. Well, fingers crossed it gets over the line because obviously one of the things that appealed about this signing was the expediency, the fact that we could do it swiftly and, and get him in. So I don't think, you know, this is any particular... I don't think it's a haggling over the price. I think Basel seem comfortable with what's going on. They've basically said on their official channels that the player is going to be moving. It's just red tape holding it up. And while we must have known this would be a problem, I guess it's difficult to know exactly how long it will take to sort. But you can bet they're working on it as fast as possible. You, well, surely, surely. Yeah, I don't think this has anything to do with price. I think it's to do with bureaucracy and red tape and just the, 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 the hoops that you have to jump through when you're signing a player in these kind of circumstances. So, I, you know, I, I understand people's frustration sometimes with Arsene Wenger that maybe we, we, we don't act as decisively as we might. But in this case, it's got nothing to do with price. It's got nothing to do with haggling. It's all to do with the, uh, uh, the red tape that surrounds a transfer like this. I mean, I think if we, if, you know, we decided obviously very early and very quickly, because these stories were going since uh, mid-December, that we wanted this player. So I think we wanted to get him in as quickly as we could. I think you have to remember as well that um, 
probably the 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 festive period, the holidays, people going back to work at the home mm-hmm. office or whoever uh, does all this visa stuff, legal people, all those kind of people, uh, would only have gone back to work really last week on the 4th of January. And so it's mm-hmm. only a week later and... Pfft, you know, uh, who knows why exactly it won't, it's not happening, but I guess, uh, I guess we're on top of it now and the manager seems happy enough to talk about it. So I expect it to happen in the next couple of days. Yeah, me too. Um, okay. Yeah, I've got a question here about an, a player we've faced from the opposition this week and it's from Matt Lamborn, who's at Formula Win. And he asks, Lee Catamol, cat or mole? Wow. Yeah. That's a really good question. He's, it is a good question. He's certainly not cat. Because cat, he's not a cat, is he? No, he's no. not got the feline grace of a cat. No, I mean uh, cats are are lithe, graceful, uh, supple creatures who can fall a from cat. a great height. I love a cat, mate. Do you have you got a cat? Um, do you know what? I sort of don't. I have a cat that technically is mine, but the people I live with now have allergies to cats. So this cat has been adopted by my mum. Right. So I go back to my mum and insist, oh, look, it's my cat. However, I do not contribute in any way to the looking after of said cat. Right. So you're a, you're a fair weather cat owner. That's it. I'm a fair weather cat owner. My cat's called Orla. She's very lovely. She's basically like the, the shape of a big sack. Um, <laughs> very thick first. If you pick her up by sort of her head end, she just sort of drapes like a puddle. <laughs> uh, and it's called Orla. Orla, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's an, a very Irish name. Well, I'll, t- I'll let you know a secret. Go on. Seeing as we're doing the podcast, I am, you know, a bit Irish. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I f- you can sort of figure that from the surname. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So how do you feel about cats? Uh, I like cats. They can be a bit rubbish at times. We've got. I mean, a, you're a big dog guy, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I love, I love my dog, but we've, we had three cats when we moved to uh, Barcelona. Um, and now we've only got one. There's only one left. Uh, who is uh, Binkley, who is a one-eyed cat. He's a tabby cat. And I think he's probably had a number of strokes. That would be my thinking. Because uh, he's always looking for food. And it's because I think he forgets that he's been He has no short-term memory. No, none at all. He goes and eats his food and then wanders off and goes, Hey, hey, I'm fucking hungry here. (laughs) Feed me. And you go, you fucking fat bastard. I just fed you. And uh, he, he is at an age now. I walked into the house the other day and I went, oh, God, something has died in the house. Oh, God. Oh, no. And I realized we figured it out later. We were looking to see had we, you know, stood in something and brought it in. But it was a cat fart, which, <laughs> which, which <laughs> really smelled like, like death. I mean, that's grim. Yeah. I've got a story now. Make a note of this time because okay. you may edit this out of the podcast. Right. But basically, my mum has got a shed in her garden. Mm-hmm. That's not the end of the story, believe it or not. Right. Well, it was a good story up to that. Yeah, I know. We can keep this in so far. Okay. And she doesn't go in it frequently. She keeps, you know, suitcases and, I don't know, odds and ends in it, tools, power tools that she never uses. And she opened it up a couple of weeks ago. And there was a terrible stench in there. And there was maggots all over the floor. And suddenly she realised that, basically, last time she'd opened it, a cat had unwittingly got into the shed and been shut inside. Oh, no. Yeah, and had met its grisly end, trapped, scratching away inside the shed at the bottom of the garden. Oh, no. Presumably someone had been looking for this cat. My mum's like some sort of fritzel of the cat world, you know, keeping it hostage. Oh my god! Terrifying. That's terrible. I don't know if we can have. Can we have this in? It's pretty grim. Yeah. <laughs> but we. Might, I don't you know. know if we can have this on on such a sad Monday. Well, look, it is what it is. The, you know, yeah. my mum's a cat murderer. Basically, is that is the headline here? <laughs> I imagine that like there were posters up all around town. Have you seen this cat? Oh, my mum just blithely ignoring them. All the while. Well, she, she had shed. no idea. You know, it was an unwilling... Well, that's what she says, Andrew. I mean, you don't know my mum. It was cat slaughter. It wasn't, I think you know... It's cat slaughter, not cat murder, crucially. Yeah. Anyway, the point being, we're talking about these cats with great affection. Surely that cannot apply to Lee Catamar. No, because he's a big, clumsy oaf of a thing. So I'd say he's much more likely to be mole than cat, for sure. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, there's, there's, a sort of blind mole clawing his way through the Premier League midfield. mm like I love big cats are amazing as well. 
you know, ti- tigers and lions. They're brilliant. They're fantastic. Oh, beautiful animals. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Leave the fucking tigers alone. You and I'll tell you what, a mole, and I know I know what a mole looks like because my, my old dog, Flora, used to catch them and bring them to me. Right. With, you know, distressing regularity. A mole is not a beautiful animal. They're re- they're really not. They're really no. not. They're quite quite. They're sort of blind, aren't they? Lots of them. They are pretty much blind in daylight. Yeah, that would explain uh, why a catamole can't make a clean tackle because he just can't. He's trying to use his like other senses to find out where the player is, and he's just he's just too late. He can't see where kneecaps and shins really are, and that's why he he kicks them all the time. Exactly. It all makes sense. Mm. It all makes sense. So I guess we're going Lee Cattle Mole, Mole. Yes. Are there any other um are there any other uh animals or footballers with animals in their name who who fit that particular kind of animal? Great question. Um I can't think of any. But maybe if I just put it in Google footballers with animal names. I mean, there's going to be loads. There's got to be like an Animal 11 out there. Yeah. Footballers with animals in their names. There's a forum. Go I've got it. Um, Robin Van Persie. Okay, that's not good. Darren Peacock. He was oh, a bit of a yes. cock, wasn't he? Yeah. He was indeed. Rule Fox. That's a cool name, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's a shame because he played for Spurs and Norwich and Newcastle and a host of other horrible teams. But yeah. Cool name. Um, what else? Sean Goater. Feed the goat. Mm. Barry Venison. I wouldn't like to feast on the meat of Barry Venison. No. I no, like venison. You. It's a very nice meat, but not if it comes with bleached blonde hair and a mullet. Get out of here. I agree with you. Not delicious. No. Um, hmm. He lives in America now, Barry Venison, just for the record. He's... He's in America now or he's an American now? What did you say? I said he lives in America. Right. He probably is an American. I think he's been there about 15 years. He lives in L.A. Mm. I mean, you know, so that turned out all right. I I guess he always looked kind of L.A., didn't he? Always had that rock star vibe to him. Yeah. He looked like a a sort of a cast-off member from, like, Twisted Sister or or (laughs) Whitesnake or one of those. Yeah. He's out there with Warren Barton and their great hair, having a lovely time. I wonder what Warren Barton's hair is like these days. Significantly shorter, Mm. I tell you. It's lost some of its volume. Some of its luster. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any more animals. But, okay. um, I'm sure people will, will come at us on Twitter. Come uh, at me, bruv. And <laughs> that was just for our more urban listenership. Hey, listen, we're trying to get to number one on iTunes here. We've got to, like, we've got to we've play got to... every car we've got. Exactly. We need a broad reach. Appeal to everybody. <sighs> like Petr Cech. Yes. Petr Cech. I did speak about that. Did you see that? He spoke about the advantage of Cech's height. He was like, when he stretches for things... He can reach further. I was like, "Well, that's that's a that's a gimme, mate. That's an obvious one." Well, it is, especially if someone's put the biscuits on the top shelf. Like Ospina exactly. would be going, "Oh, I'm really hungry for a biscuit, and I can't get there." Ospina has to get a chair to stand on to get the biscuits, and Petrček just sticks one of his big long hands out, and he can get them. I mean, I that's think, that's the true measure of a great goalkeeper. I don't think Ospina needs any more biscuits, mate. I'll tell you now. <laughs> Looking at him in that goalie kit, I think he's all right. Mm. All right, here's here's a final question from me. Mm. This comes from uh, Patch, who's at Nutmeg Gunner, Nutmeg Gunner rather, right. and he says, with our recent dependence on uh, on Ozil and Alexis returning to fitness, have you ever seen a camel in real life? Ooh, big questions finish the show. Mm. Oh, have I ever seen a camel? Well, immediately I'm going, I haven't been to Egypt. And for some reason in my head, that's the only place there are camels. Egypt, camels, those two are inextricably linked in my mind. Mm. But I know that's not true. I'm sure camels get about. I don't think I have seen a camel. I don't think, oh, hang on. I've seen a camel in a zoo. Yeah, I think I have too. To me, that doesn't count. No, you need to see them in the wild cameling about. You know, I want to see a camel in a desert. That's yeah. what I want to see. I want to ride a camel. I've never ridden a camel. Have I'm you? Just, I'm just leaving that hang. No, that's okay. Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, no, I, I haven't, and I'm not sure that I would. I would like it. I mean, they do camel racing, don't they? 
I mean, that sounds dangerous. It does sound dangerous, but they put... I, did I read somewhere recently that they used to have kids as the camel jockeys, and now that, that they have kind of... Oh, they've replaced them with either monkeys or robots. I'm not right, sure. you're just making this up. There's no camel racing where they're racing kids and monkeys and robots on a camel. There fucking is. There's not. That, how could that happen? Animal rights would be annoyed... Kids' rights to be annoyed. Hey, why would animal rights be annoyed at a camel just running through the desert with a kid on its back? I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about training the monkey to ride the camel. What's going on there? Well, I mean, you can train monkeys to do all kinds of shit. Yeah, but why? 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 Why are you training them? And who are they racing against each other? The monkeys and the kids and the robots, or yeah, is it separate races? Little Lester Pig at monkeys, They're like yeah, fucking dressed up as little jockeys, are they? Like in the PG Tips ads, like getting on top of a camel, <laughs> riding all the way, and there's a robot chasing them, probably with a gun or something, shooting at him because it's like Mario Kart or some nonsense. Pretty much what's happening, man. Chucking red shells at each other from the back of a camel. Uh, this is mad. <laughs> I know. I knew things were a bit backwards in Egypt, but uh, when Mohammed El Neni arrives, my first question is going to be, right, what do you know about these camel racings? Who should I be backing, the kids, the monkeys, or the robots? Yeah, you ask him. See what he says. I'm going to the unveil. I'm going to the press conference. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, forget about him doing keepy-ups. We want answers to the real questions. Um, right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the thing, man. That's, that's what's going on with camels. Have you seen a camel? No. No, I haven't, but I have seen a donkey with an erection. Well, then, you know, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know. That's it's nature at its finest. What can I tell you? It is. I mean, this is a David Attenborough-esque tone to proceedings has taken over. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> lovely. Well, lovely to end the show that started on a summer note on a on a bit of a high there. Absolutely with a beautiful image of a, a donkey with an erection. And well, no, hang on. That's not what? you know, monkeys riding camels with uh, with robot jockeys after them. That's yeah. much better. Okay, fine. We'll go with that. We'll, we'll go, go with, with that. that. All right. Well, look, we have a big game. Big game on it Wednesday. It is a big game, isn't it? It, it does a big feel... midweek game. How are you feeling about it? Floodlights. I feel a bit Neil Mellory about it, oh, if I'm honest no. with you. Yeah. Ugh, fucking I feel, fat bastard. I feel, I feel more, more Neil Mellory about it than I do Robert Pira's beautiful curled girl about mm. it. But um, maybe it's just because it's floodlit and that always frightens me a bit. Uh, I don't know. It, do you know what? It would be. It's a tough... Tough couple of weeks now, isn't it? I think we've got yeah. Liverpool, then Stoke, and then Chelsea. And Chelsea, who Sod's Law will be back to their something like their best for that game. And, you know, it's inevitable, isn't it? Well, it is, seeing as they've actually, you know, started trying again. That, yeah, you know, that could have been the difference. Football. Yeah. Yeah. That will help. That yeah. will help. Well, look, I, I, hope, I hope it goes well. Obviously, two big away games coming now the next, uh, the, this week, Anfield, then, then the Britannia. So it's going to be a tough going to be a tough uh, tough week so let's hope we can uh, we can keep this momentum going we can yeah nine oh. nine points from these three games nothing less that will do or, I, or I'll be on strike on the next podcast <laughs> alright well look we're going to leave it there um, thank you as always for listening don't forget the iTunes stuff let's get us to number one and uh, I'll be here on Friday with a regular Arsecast back next Monday with James for another Arsecast Extra until then bye bye <laughs> I'm closer to the golden dawn Immersed in Crowley's uniform Of imagery I'm living in a silent film Portraying Himmler's sacred realm Of dream reality I'm frightened by the total goal Drawing to the ragged hole And I ain't got the power anymore No, I ain't got the power anymore I'm the twisted name
among all those eyes Living proof of Churchill's lies I'm destiny I'm torn between the light and dark Where others see their target Divine symmetry Take a 